0: You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important topics in the world of Indiana basketball— this is our 248th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 835th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of April 14th, 2022. I am your host, Jared Morris. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner Moments.
1: And Indiana is the national champion.
2: The the of
0: the well hey look the banner moment pretty obvious tonight i think you all know why we are here this evening we did not originally have a show scheduled and then about five o'clock race thompson decided to announce that he is going to run it back which meant that, I mean, the official Race Thompson fan club show had to do a show on the night that Race Thompson says he's going to run it back. But we're going to get to that in a moment. That is actually not the banner moment this evening. My banner moment this evening is that Coach is right here with us on this show because this program is going to hang a banner at some point in the future, and that is going to mean so much more because Coach is here to celebrate it with us because we're going to celebrate it all together. Coach, you obviously had some... An unexpected health challenge uh, this week that gave us all a little bit of a scare. But uh, the fact that we are here less than a week later and you're actually here hosting the show with me doesn't say much for Ryan and Andy, does it? <laughs> no, man, we are. Uh, I'm so glad you're well, here. Thanks. I'm so glad you're feeling better. Um, you know, so glad you got the care that you needed. We. Uh, yeah,
3: thanks. It's, uh, it, it's a remarkable. It takes a lot of people to pull you through. Um, you know, it's unexpected. Uh, and, and now, um, I'm on my way to recovery and I'll try to go as long as I can, uh, tonight, but our community, uh, was a part of that. Um, I, I, I texted you guys, uh, right away. The thoughts go, oh, we got a show Thursday and I, and, and you know, now it's just part of my every day. Uh, it's just a big part of who we are and what we do. And so thanks to everyone who reached out and I appreciate it. And, uh, so, yeah. And then we get good news. Uh, race is back, which is just tremendous news, and and Indiana basketball can keep moving forward. So glad
0: to be here uh, talking about it. Absolutely. So, look, we got a pretty packed show tonight. I think obviously, Coach, you and I are going to lead it off. I think Scott is going to join us. I think Tony is going to join us uh, from the Back Home Network. Uh, I think Alex is going to be here later, and you know we'll see if we get any other. Uh, special guests who pop on to uh, to talk about this news. And let's dive into it. Um, you know, Race Thompson announces he is going to be back. Um, you know, obviously, Trace Jackson Davis announced earlier this week that he is going to pursue feedback from the NBA, you know, and it, it sounds like from, you know, just kind of from things that you hear that, you know, if Trace gets feedback that he's a first-round pick or a top 35-40 pick, you know, that uh, that he may go. And if not, that he may run it back. You know, so we await to see what he's going to do. But what Race's announcement does for Indiana is it gives the Hoosiers an anchor down low. And now if Trace decides that he's going to pursue his professional career, that means he got great feedback and more power to him. We will all be very excited for him. Uh, but it means that now you can go into next season with Race as kind of a small ball five you know, a guy who can step out and shoot it a little bit, but a guy that you know that can defend down low um, and is now going to be in a six year at Indiana with as much, if not more strength uh, than anybody in the Big Ten. And that's big to be able to anchor you both offensively and defensively. Um, you know, we haven't heard official word yet from Jordan Geronimo, uh, you know, we kind of await that um, as well. But what this does is now with Xavier Johnson presumed Back and we don't know what kind of discipline he may face uh, for the poor decision that he made a couple of weeks ago, but he kind of anchors your backcourt as an experienced guy with the ball in his hands, where guys like Jalen hood Shafino and Tamar Bates and Trey Galloway and on and on can kind of fill in around him. But you've got that anchor. Race is going to do the same thing down low for Indiana, and so you know I think it's it's big news for Mike Woodson and for the Indiana basketball program. That has really struggled with continuity, really struggled with consistency, not just over the past few years, but goodness gracious, for the last three decades. Uh, and I think what we're all looking for is a program that can take what was done, you know last season, some steps that were taken, and move forward. You know, and if you enter next season, you know, and you don't have race, you don't have trace, and you've got that big hole down low, you don't know how you're going to fill it that presents some big question marks. And so for all the limitations that those two guys may have, you know, individually and together having at least one of them back is just really big for anchoring what this team can do down low next season. And just from a leadership perspective, you know, because, you know, coach, I think, you know, I don't remember what show it was that we came on here, but you know, as you know, late in February, it was not a crazy statement to say, you know, that Race Thompson up until that point had played better and more consistently than Trace Jackson Davis. Trace obviously has the higher ceiling and could do things that Race can't, but on a game-to-game basis, Race is your glue guy. Race was the guy that you could really count on. Now, Trace went nuclear the last few weeks of the season and showed us that ceiling and showed what he's capable of. And, and, you know, Ray struggled a little bit down the stretch, but that doesn't overshadow the full body of work for five months where he was an absolute rock for this team. A glue guy, you know, we don't often quote John Rothstein on this show, but, you know, in in his tweet announcing the movie said, Indiana got its glue guy back and they did. Uh, and so, you know, I think there was a lot at stake with Race's decision. Uh, and I think having him back to anchor uh, that position down low really is going to mean a lot for Mike Woodson as he looks to do as much as he can with the talent that was on hand when he got here. He's obviously still trying to turn the roster over in a bit of a different image. But in kind of what is yet another transition season, Race is going to be a guy that's going to help you solidify things, compete in the Big Ten, get back to the NCAA tournament. And, you know, that's what this program needs to keep that continuity going.
3: Yeah, it's just – it's kind of a a known insurance policy, uh, especially in in the four and the five uh, spots uh, of the program. But the the point that I think uh, I want to talk about that you mentioned the most was that senior – the leadership point, because he's been here uh, for five years. He knows what Indiana basketball is, a couple coaching regimes – Uh, he is that guy that you knew every game was going to give it his all. Uh, if he was scoring, he's playing the same way as if he wasn't scoring and and he just had a little bit of a bad stretch there, uh, down the season, but he really was very, very consistent for a majority of, of the season. And he does a lot of little things. Uh, you know, if that's the glue guy, uh, description, so be it, but you know, block shots, steals, rebounds, diving on the floor you know, are there areas that he needs to improve in? Yes. His shooting and free throw shooting and that, but the leadership of is very important. And I also think it speaks volumes for what coach Woodson wants to try to do when the the quote, and I don't have it here, but he said basically that coach he trusts coach Woodson to make him the best player he can be, which said, I'm not going anywhere else because this is where I can develop. Uh, I think that's important. I think the outside Thing that's important is uh, nil um the ability to you know have some money coming in uh, also uh helps race make that decision to to come back uh to indiana so i think it's a i think it's an outstanding basketball decision for indiana yes I, i've seen already in 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 the comments there's a lot of what ifs still around you know we got to wait on tjd we're we're recruiting a, another four type of guy in, in the renault guy you have geronimo Uh, You have some people out in the transfer portal that are showing interest in in Indiana, but you've got to work all those angles if you're Coach Woodson, because the job is to put the best team out there next year. Yes, you want to look down the road and and all of those things. And then lastly, uh, I think I'm excited to get to what I think is Woodson's brand of offensive basketball, which would be. You know, a little bit more of that five being able to shoot and move and do some things. And even if TJD comes back, we look for him to do a little bit more of that. But, but race can, can do that right now uh, at the five if he played that small ball five, as you mentioned. So this is just great news. You, you never ever, um, you know, are, are down or, or, or want to go a different direction when you have a guy with this many games, a hundred games played. Uh, and the type of play uh, that he does as well, because it's just a, a positive for everyone. And in practice, he's going to let those guys and the young guys know how to get things done. So it's just an overall, it was, it wasn't shocking to me, but it sure was a a, a pick me up when, when those tweets started flying and our text started going back and forth that, that he
0: made that decision. I would love to be there. The first time Caleb Banks has to block race Thompson out in practice <laughs> <Ray> yeah, <laughs> exactly. five years. On him. <laughs> I mean, look, man, that stuff matters in the big 10, you know, just having those guys who are experienced that have that old man strength that have been around. I mean, he's not going to be phased by anything, you know, and, and, and that's a thing. Like, I know, you know, all of us, we've talked about this in the community. You know, we've talked about this on the show. There's a, there's a desire to see a little bit different type of offense than, you know, so much back to the basket play and, you know, and some of the strengths that, that race and trace have, what was nice was seeing toward the end of the season them assume slightly different roles. You know, where Trace was really on the move. He was a lob guy. You know, Indiana was getting, you know, Race on the block in matchups that he could take advantage of. And, you know, Race was showing that he could step out and make some threes. So we started to see some of that. So that's what I'm looking forward to next season is a continuation of the offense that we saw down the stretch, which is more dynamic, you know, and which does look more modern. And I think clearly Race and Trace want to do that. And part of it was getting X along enough to be able to run the stuff that they wanted to do and get everybody comfortable. And so, you know, I know sometimes you look at it and it's like, okay, so we're going to run it back with the team that was, you know, 8th, ninth, whatever we were. And, you know, 7th, 8th, ninth in the Big Ten, you know, that was a bubble team. You know, are we expecting this to be a lot better? Well, yeah, I think there's actually a lot of room for improvement. Um, you know, for a team that is going to be in the second year with this coach, the second year together, and based on what we saw down the stretch. Um, so, you know, we'll have plenty of time, you know, to see what this looks like, maybe with, you know, kind of the more quote unquote, modern big men uh, that can step out and shoot more reliably and do some of that stuff. But if, you know, you got race back for his fifth year, if you can get trace back for his fourth year, I mean, there's just some stuff those guys are going to bring from a physicality standpoint, a leadership and experience standpoint, and the fact that they're both two really, really good players that, you know, I don't know if it makes Indiana a Big Ten favorite, but I do think it can make Indiana a Big Ten contender and a top 25 level team, and that would be a nice step forward for for Mike Woodson. So it's all theoretical right now. We have to see who all comes back, but at a minimum this anchors what this team is going to do down low next year and and the quote that that Race had I trust coach Woodson and his plan for me to develop into the best player I can be to take my game to another level we saw Race evolve a lot this year you know dribbling the ball more facing up a little bit more showing more elements to his game with another offseason to work on that another year to get comfortable you know we may very well see the guy that Ryan Phillips has been prom- promising to us since his original high school scouting report and isn't this great that Ryan is going to get to have another season of taking victory laps if race continues to develop his game? I guess that's just the price that we'll have to pay.
3: And and you look at his stats, and he had more opportunities this year under Coach Woodson as well. Uh, and, you know, yes, he shot 27% from three, but he had uh, the opportunity to shoot more. And he got comfortable as the year went on. And I know I fell into a little bit of the trap once Geronimo started hitting threes and race wasn't. You're like, okay, maybe Geronimo can do that <clears throat> better than race, but race had better three-point percentage uh, you know, than Geronimo. They're both talented players. You both want them back. But, but race, if he gets that up into 30, 31%, uh, percent, again, you're going to stretch the floor uh, if he's playing that four spot. And I really think it's a matchup nightmare for people guarding him. The question is, too, uh, the Big Ten still is in love with the, the seven-foot guy. Uh, I believe race can guard him, but there will be a little bit of a size situation. Then you worry about that foul trouble and all that kind of stuff banging down low. But I really think that's an advantage that uh, if trace Jackson Davis uh, gets to go pro and and we all wish him the best, uh, obviously as fans, we want, want him back, but if not, uh, we don't take as as much of a drop or question marks, at least with the portal and who we are bringing in, in that post, we know what we're going to get there. And you can envision a Geronimo at the four uh, and, and race at the five and be okay getting started that way. Um, and I think that
0: gives us a little bit um, a better start to the, to the offseason uh, with, with the roster. And in the event that Trace does come back and we have those two again, if I might offer a humble suggestion, and I'm just an idiot behind a microphone, but you know, last year we saw a lot of Trace and Race being off the court together. It would be nice if those two come back, stagger the brakes so that when Trace goes off the court, let race play that small ball five position so that we can see some of that where now you have a guy who can step all the way out and you can even play some five out type stuff. And, you know, now you can slide a Geronimo down to the four or who knows, you know, if a Dexter Dennis comes from Wichita State or Miller like you're going to have some options. But I would—that that is just something that I would like to see because I think race can pose a lot of problems for people in the right matchup as a five, especially if he's going against some backup units if you kind of stagger uh, what those guys are doing a little bit. And while Scott, uh, our buddy from Crimson Cast here, prepares his opening thought, I will just say, I looked this up. Jess Settles, friend of the show, played 116 games at Iowa. Race has played 100. So if all goes according to plan midway through next season, race Thompson will pass. <laughs> Jess Settles for games played. Uh, in his uh, in his sixth season at Bloomington, in Bloomington. Scott, what was your initial reaction to the news that race is running it back?
4: Well, it's funny. Um, I just got home from, uh, I, I'm an old guy. I joined a pickleball league here in Westfield, so I'm playing with some friends. Um, yes, laugh it up, chuckle it up, folks. So I played pickleball, came home, had dinner, put the kids to bed, came here, started listening to, to Hopped In. So I just just heard this guy i I have not been on my phone which by the way is a nice way to live your life for a while so i'm just i'm realizing you're you're getting full reaction right now here's my reaction is (laughs) why did you think i texted
0: you earlier tonight just for just to be on the show (laughs) the the regular you guys do
4: it every thursday night right i mean (laughs) i didn't you guys do a show every (laughs) thursday i mean god bless you that you're doing shows every thursday no matter what happens you're like We actually, we Um, weren't going to do one
0: today because, you know, coach has been out. I hadn't been feeling that well earlier in the week. And now there's big news. And who are the two that are here? Well, Ryan and Andy are out galvanting. Now they made other plans, but no, we had to do a show. Race is back,
4: man. it's, It's great. So at the end of the season, if you would have said, ask me, like, you know, put your money on who you thought was coming back and who wasn't and put your like, you know, percentage points. I thought race was gone. Like, and I was telling people like, dude, he went through senior night. Like he had a senior night speech. Like you, I, I, I will preface, I'm super happy he is back. I have a question I want to ask both of you on this, but, but I think he's one of the most important people to come back. So I'm very happy he's back. I was just looking at it like it's, it's very odd that he went through senior night, had a speech, had an emotional speech, deserves it, has all right to do it. But it's like you, it, I was thinking like, you don't mentally do that if you're even thinking about coming back. Like that's kind of somebody who maybe was like, "Oh my god, he's probably going to transfer to Minnesota," or yeah. you know, and fantasy.
0: Rob didn't have a speech, and he's right. leaving. <laughs> no,
4: so so yes, I'm. Uh, I I got to read into your text more, and like, gosh, if, if Jared's. <laughs> I, I thought we were friends, man. Why you want to talk to me? I didn't know we had to talk only because <laughs> Ray Thompson's coming back. No. I think it's great. You know, you look at his numbers, his points per game every season has gone up, his rebounds per game every season has gone up, his three point shooting every season has gone up. I, I think this is really important. I, I want to take a contrarian view here because I heard you talking, you know, Trace and Race are kind of connected here. Um, you know, one of the questions in our last pod I had with Galen, we were talking about, you know, wh- what's wrong with the offense? Or what was wrong with the offense last year? A- and one thing that I came with is just by by the design of the offense. You know, Trace Jackson Davis is just in the middle, and I know I'm like the guy on the hill who's gonna die there that Trace needs to shoot more threes. But that's where he is. Even when he leaves, his man doesn't go with him. So and then it's like, you know, Ray Thompson's trying to come in and out of there, but his guy's going in there. You have Xavier Thompson up at the up at the top. And for his, you know, as, as much as it can drive us crazy with Miller Copp and Parker Stewart last year, you know, part of the reason they had to go to the corners, and I want to hear coaches thoughts like, is there's nowhere else to go? Like there's just the geometry of the court is set up in such a way where like they can't go inside to go out because trace Jackson Davis is either there or his man is there. And they can't go outside to go in because they're like going to completely clog everything up. So there's nowhere else for him to go. Um, I-, I wonder this now that race is coming back um, a bit of a scarecrow argument, but let's just have some fun here I'm kicking it off. Are we better off next year? If trace Jackson Davis decides to go pro. And he's great. He's a talent. I think he's awesome. But does this open up the offense a little bit in a way? Um, I'm just going to throw it out. there. It's, I've been thinking about it again. I'm not saying he's bad. I would love to have him back. I just think it's something to, it's an interesting topic to talk about. Not saying he's not good, not a great player. I, I fully am aware of everything he brings, but due to his offensive limitations, does it make sense. Could we be better without him?
3: I I think uh... – the answer to that is you can't. You never say no to a guy like TJD. You will. You will run an offense for his strengths and everyone else's strengths because he's so talented. Um, and, and I think we saw towards the end of the year uh, a better utilization of that clogged lane, that low post yeah. centric offense, uh, with some a variety of things of getting TJD on the move, getting some screeners to cross the lane and do some things and down screen before posting. That started to come into play. So. I think we're better, obviously, with uh, both of those guys. But on the other hand, Scott, you are absolutely correct. I think Indiana basketball will ultimately be better when they have one guy in the post, and that guy also has some ability to come out. I think recruiting in the future will be that five that can post up or a four that can post up, but you can also um, bring guys out. We've just seen it tremendously uh, across basketball and even those schools like in, in the final four you had some traditional post guys in Baycott and, and McCormick at Kansas but they were able to do some things outside the lane that freed up um, Kansas was a situation the second half down 15 and they they posted up their guard uh, by bringing their big up and stretch the floor a little bit uh, Trace you're absolutely right Trace isn't that guy but what he is and what coach we have, we can use his strengths. Obviously, we, want, we would like for him by June 1st to, to come back to Indiana. But there is, some, there is some truth to what you're saying is that I think the offense ultimately gets more uh, free-flowing and moving and pace and, and more modern, as we've been saying on the show, once we don't have two traditional
0: uh, post players kind of manning that four and that five. Yeah, and look, here, here's what I'll say about that, Scott. I think in late February, a lot of people were having that very conversation, if not publicly, then in private text threads, because Trace was struggling, and you never quite knew what you were going to get from him on a game-in, game-out basis, and the offense was very stagnant, unimaginative. But I think what we saw from the Purdue game on changes that equation, and it completely changes my answer. You know, now, you know, I think there's a ceiling on how good Indiana's offense can be when you have those two guys and no clear line to better three point shooting, which right now Indiana doesn't have. You know, you've got X who's going to be your point guard. You would think that Tamar Bates is probably going to, you know, step into big time minutes. Jalen Hood Shafino is going to play significant minutes, however many they are. You know, Trey Galloway, do you get a guy like Dexter Dennis? You've got Miller Kopp. All of these guys are good players. But you've removed your best three-point shooter you know, from the mix in Parker Stewart, and there's no ready replacement. And I think to take the next step offensively, Indiana's got to be able to get more from the three-point line. That's where you really move up in offensive efficiency. But as we talked about in last week's show, there's a lot of meat on the bone in terms of two-point percentage. Indiana was below 50% on twos last year. They can get better because they were a lot better down the stretch. Um, they can be, you know, especially, I mean, if you get trace back, you get Jordan Geronimo back, you bring in a guy like Dexter Dennis, you, you have Jalen Huchofino, Caleb Banks, you've gotten a lot more athletic, which means that you can hit the offensive boards more and you can get more points that way. So I think there are ways for this offense to become more efficient and become better by doubling down on the things that were working at the end of last season. And, you know, really, you know, playing to their strengths more, which is going to be athleticism, offensive rebounds, even if you're not that much better as a three-point shooting team. Now, you should also be better defensively, too. So, again, I think there's a cap on how good that team can be. Like, I don't think that's a team you're looking at as this is a – I'm going to predict this team to go to a Final Four, but it's a second-weekend potential team, and it's a team that could compete in the Big Ten with that kind of experience, and that would be a nice step forward um, no, you know, that's, for this program.
4: That's the, something like that would be a good goal for for next year. And The, the other thing, too – and I. I hate. I shouldn't have asked that question. So I don't. I don't want to take it away from race. I, I do think where, you know, we're having trace back again. It's a scarecrow argument question, just to kind of get some discussion going. But you know, bringing trace back also helps. You know, allowing race to kind of play off like the season that you know Dennis Rodman was on the Spurs. Like David Robinson had a great year. Like having two big men, they help each other. The, the, the last thing I'll say, no, Tony hopped on. The last thing I'll say about race is when you look at his stats for this season, the 2022 season. What's really interesting, it's again it might be based on a smaller sample size, but when you look at the Ken Palm numbers, his numbers against tier A games, which is kind of like the high level games in the season, there's 15 of them. Most of his numbers and metrics were actually as good or better than his season averages in those tier A games, which he didn't yeah. do his first two, his, his junior. And I don't even know what year anybody is anymore. His like his real junior <laughs> last year and the year before, which is you know, you, you'd expect for a younger player, but the fact that at this point he's basically playing at or above his caliber on those a-level games is good. And I will also say that having him back, knowing who he, you know, knowing who is back, I think this also is a huge help for Jordan Geronimo that now he has somebody to play against. Like that's what was making me nervous looking at next year is I know I'm in the layer of, you know, loving, loving freshmen and stuff, but you know, if we, if trace was gone and race was gone, I don't I, I never have faith in in the freshmen to come in and so it's like you're putting a lot of pressure on Jordan Geronimo now just to be your starting basically only post press this this really allows Geronimo some nice runway to basically have somebody to play against in the first unit and then also to take some time in the second unit where he can be you know the man quote unquote but he gets a second unit so I think this also this helps everybody down the line as well
0: All right we have a new guest to bring in here in just a moment to get his insight but before we do that, we have new Bob Thompson music to debut this evening. He uh, put together. I asked him for a new little musical bed to play when I do the home field apparel ad reads, and so Bob said that he was he really loved old '90s sitcoms, uh, and so he wanted to do one kind of in the in the theme inspired by old '80s '90s sitcom uh, music. So we're going to play that now, and I will do the home field apparel ad read. This is the great Bob Thompson. I must don't even want to talk because I just want to listen to the music. But this edition of the Assembly Call Radio, like all shows on the Back Home Network, presented by our friends at Home Field Apparel, where they have the largest collection of vintage IU apparel that you will find anywhere with beloved logos like two different versions of the Bison. And Home Field has something for everybody. They have 130, 140 different schools. They're rolling out new stuff all the time, new brand refreshes. And no matter what you buy, you know it will be comfortable. The colors are going to last through many washings. And you're supporting an Indiana-based company that came up through Kelly. And there really is nothing better than that. So go to homefieldapparel.com. Use the promo code HOME, H-O-M-E, for 15% off your first order. That's promo code HOME for 15% off. Once again, the website, homefieldapparel.com. Wear one for the team.
1: People have different sleep needs. While you love your partner, sleeping next to them might not always be the most comfortable. Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Maybe you prefer a firmer mattress and your partner needs something softer. Because of the individualized comfort that you get from Sleep Number Smart Beds, you and your partner will sleep better together. All Sleep Number Smart Beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. awards. Only at a sleep number store or sleepnumber.com.
0: I feel like I'm ready for TGIF now. <laughs> Great work by Bob Thompson as always. Ladies and gentlemen, let's bring in the other coach, Tony Adranya. Tony, good to see you, man. And I was uh, happy to read your tweet that your uh, that your mom is doing better. That's uh, we got some, you know, we had some health struggles this week, man, but it's got, glad to know by the end of the week everybody was
2: doing better. Absolutely. Yeah, I really appreciate the the kind word. It was a scary one in the Andronia household for a few days again this week, but uh, mom's home, healthy, I'm happy, um, and I'm happy to be talking IU hoops yet again here on Assembly Call Radio.
0: Yeah, and to have some good news. You know, we're finally, the hard part about this offseason so far And I think we just have to get used to this is there's just so many moving pieces. It's like, we don't really know how to analyze moving forward. It's like, well, if race comes back or if there's like all these different permutations, well, we got some definitive news. Race Thompson's back. Your reaction to race Thompson's return.
2: Yeah. I think it's similar to, to what you've all shared in terms of, you know, he's a guy that, that he's improved tremendously throughout his time at IU. And, um, you know, he's, He's kind of been defined as that glue guy, but for for I don't know, a ten game stretch in the Big Ten season, he was IU's most important and best player on the floor, um, and it quite frankly wasn't really close. Um, you know that was back that was when Trace was struggling a little bit, XJ was kind of in a funk as well, and Race Thompson was putting up fifteen to twenty point games. It seemed like uh, night after night, it was just you know so consistent. Um, you know he he struggled down the stretch a little bit. Um, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure if there was nagging injury or whatever. Um, you know, the the final three four games of the season, he really didn't seem like himself, um, and that was kind of allowed J- Jordan Geronimo to step in. But um, I think it's a good thing overall. I mean, it's it's a guy that that you know he's not anybody that's ever been in trouble. He's not any like he's just like that that culture guy that he's going to make sure guys are doing the right thing, hopefully. Um, but more so than anything, his play on the floor is is um, something that I think you guys were all talking about is, okay, can he get to that, that three point percentage of like 30% um, and stretch the floor a little bit more? Like those are the same questions I have as well that I'm interested to see. Um, You know, Scott brought up the point of the two bigs. There was a part of me that um, was interested in, in what that could look like uh, with not having those two bigs kind of clogging things up, if you will. But then as I, I look back, um, and I think coach kind of, uh, alluded to this as I, as I look back and watch some film from the last, uh, five, six games of the IU season, um, while we had two bigs on the floor, we kind of got a glimpse of what the offense of the future might look like, even though, uh, you know, the, the two bigs were still in there, if you will. Uh, but we were able to see, uh, just much more pick and roll heavy offense, Um, Even a little bit of pick and pop with short rolls, and then letting that guy with the ball do some things uh, with the ball in his hand and make decisions. And and Race can be that guy. Like, I think Race can be a short roll guy that can then catch and on the catch, uh, you know, immediately be a lob up to Trace Jackson Davis or something. Like, he's got good vision. I think there was a game, might have been the Syracuse game, where he actually had a lot of turnovers, but he also had like nine assists. Um, So I think, I think Race Thompson just does a lot of things really well. I don't think he does anything really poorly outside of maybe outside shooting. And um, I think he has potential to, to improve that. So um, it's a really long winded answer, uh, but it's me basically saying that, Hey, this is, this is a good thing. I think overall, Um, and and it really speaks volumes to, to what, what he's building. Um, You know, race Thompson two years in a row, really now probably would have his choice of, of where he wanted to go, including a professional route this year. Um, and he's staying right, right where he's been. And and I think that speaks volumes to, uh, what coach Woodson is building. Um, that, that a guy that, that has options to do a lot of different things wants to stay right there. Um, and I think that is just as positive as anything to me.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, like I said before, you know, I think the way that the offense functioned at the end of the season is going to give everybody a lot more enthusiasm, you know, about running it back (laughs) because obviously if, if everything just faded as it looked like it was going to there at the end of February I think everybody would say hey look maybe it's time like I appreciate these guys they're good players but this mix just isn't working and then all of a sudden you saw the mix start to work and race really struggled but it's not like race struggled because the other guys were playing well he just missed some opportunities that if he makes you know, he, you know, and and frankly, there are going to be some matchups, you know, against maybe quicker guys that a Jordan Geronimo is a little bit better um, in those matchups. And if we're able to kind of do some of that, you know, mixing and matching, Indiana's going to have options. Um, and we have options on the show because we've got another guest here with us. It's a great Alex Bozic from inside the hall. I hope you guys don't mind. We wanted to take some time here and talk about Luis Roberts MVP campaign for the Chicago White Sox for a few minutes. Uh, so if you don't mind, we'll we'll take a break for that. Noah, Alex, your initial reaction to uh, to Ray Thompson's return? Coach is just shaking his head over there. <laughs>
5: Coach, it's okay. Embrace the south side, buddy.
0: That's right. Wait, are all you guys Cubs um, fans?
4: Scott and Tony, you guys Cubs fans as well?
5: Tony okay. is right. Yep. Yep. Scott's not.
4: No, I grew up in New York. I'm a Mets fan. Oh. I made a lot of mistakes.
5: <laughs>
4: That's wow, the of Mets mistakes. And Indiana I picked the wrong New for York you, huh?
5: I, I picked the wrong Indiana team. I
4: picked the wrong New York team. Yes. Let's move on.
0: Alex, your uh, your thoughts on race coming back.
5: Well, I can't say I was shocked, but after we went through senior night, I didn't necessarily think this was the most likely outcome. Uh, but I had heard in recent weeks that Indiana was really making a strong effort uh, recruiting wise to keep him around. And obviously the Hoosiers for a good deal didn't necessarily say for sure that he was going to be back, but that uh, was something that I, I kind of looked at uh, and wondered, you know, is that would, would, would that opportunity and other potential NIL opportunities be a, uh, a reason for him to, to explore uh, what, could be next season uh, in terms of uh, in terms of that and coming back, but ultimately, I think um, I don't think there's any other way to spin this and being good news for Indiana basketball because he's a reliable contributor. You know, he's not going to be someone that to me is going to come out and be a you know first team All Big Ten type player. That's just not uh, in the cards, uh, in my opinion. Despite Ryan's tweet earlier that he could be a dark horse candidate for Big Ten Player of the Year. I think that's going a little bit too far, but really solid player who I think makes everybody else around him better in different ways. Um, Defensively, uh, I think he's very solid. Um, Offensively, I I think he kind of just does whatever the staff needs him to do, whether that be making the the little plays that that impact winning, Um, really solid offensive rebounder, good finisher around the rim so uh you know i i think it's it's a great um recruiting win uh for for the staff to be able to bring him back and you look at his numbers you know i think the one thing a lot of people were concerned about if if race and trace were to move on is like where who's going to replace these statistics i mean it's not like you're talking about what over 30 points a game and you know, 15, 16, 17 rebounds a game to have at least one of these guys back for sure, I think, is is a huge uh, victory. Uh, And and looking forward, I mean, if Trace doesn't come back, I'd be interested to see if if there's going to be a chance that race maybe plays some five and they go to a smaller lineup. So uh, that's an intriguing uh, possibility uh, for me as well. But, you know, I, I think it's it's there's no other way to spin it than, than to say it's a good, good news and, and uh, positive thing moving forward for IU basketball.
0: Yeah, and you know a set of numbers that I think really sums up race's impact uh, from hoop lens, if you just look at the on-off data, um, and I always take the cupcake games out of these because those games are noisy and they don't really mean much, and, but these numbers do include all the games late in the season when race struggled. Even with those games in there, Indiana's offense with race on the court scored a point per possession. All the other lineups with race off the court scored 0.91 points per possession. So they were 0.09 better with him on the court. And from a defensive perspective, with race on the court, they gave up 0.97 points per possession. With race off the court, they gave up 0.102. So that's a, a net gain with race on the court of 0.14, which you know for the vast majority of the season, he was the highest in that number. He and Xavier Johnson actually by far. Uh, were the highest. I didn't see where that finished up. I'm sure Trace evened things out a little bit with his excellent play down the stretch. But you you can just see it. I mean, you know, Race does a lot of those little things that, you know, I feel, you know, Trace gets a lot of the attention because he gets the highlights, he gets the stats, and he's a really good player. And he has, you know, the highest ceiling and can do things other guys can't do. But, you know, Race is just that guy that isn't always going to get the accolades, isn't always going to stuff the stats. But when you watch the games day in, day out, he's that guy that I think you really grow to appreciate because he just brings it. Um, And he's in the right place at the right time, um, you know, and does all those little things. Alex, I know we don't have you for long. Let me ask you one more question because you had Tyler from Hoosiers for Good on, and I haven't had a chance to listen to that podcast yet, but I have it queued up. Um, You know, I know we can't know for sure. You know, obviously he and Trace, you know, signed that big NIL deal. We can't know for sure that that did or didn't, you know, encourage those guys to come back. And obviously there can be no, you know, quid pro quo or pay for play type thing where, you know, a deal is contingent on that. But it certainly changes the equation for guys like race and guys like trace who have built equity at a certain school to stick around because you're going to be more valuable. Race is going to be more valuable from an NIL perspective in Bloomington than he is anywhere else because he's just built up that kind of equity. Did you get any sense from Tyler or just in other conversations that you've had
5: about, you know, what kind of impact that's having? You know, Tyler, our interview, it was, it was actually, and just to kind of get off on a little bit of a tangent here, but, you know, just talking to a lot of uh, IU fans over the last, you know, year plus when NIL has become a thing here, I think there's been a lot of skepticism from some people um, just on how, Everything was going to work, and you know, is it a good thing? And, and there was a lot of uh, people who just kind of wondered, uh, you know, should college players be making money? Uh, and ultimately, uh, one thing that really stood out from my conversation with Tyler is, um, you know, NIL is here to stay, right? Whether or not you like it, you don't like it. I think for. Um, to have this kind of set up and, and in a way that's going to help IU athletics is going to be a positive thing moving forward. And the fact that it's tied to charities, I think, is, is a great thing. Uh, I think it can make people feel a little – you know, people that are kind of on the fence in terms of their opinion on NIL, make them feel a little bit better about it. But in terms of specific deals with, with race and trace and kind of how that impacts everything, I, I would just say, like, big picture, uh, I agree with what you said for, I think maybe even more so for a guy like race who I don't really see a way where he was going to get drafted or even get to the G league next season. He was probably looking at going to maybe like a training camp deal or having to go overseas to, to have this kind of opportunity to, to earn what I think could be a significant amount of money next season. Definitely had to play a role uh, for him in coming back only he could speak to how much of of an impact that would have, but I would, um, you know, you just kind of look at the climate of of where things are in the world right now. I I don't think necessarily guys are going to be all that excited about, you know, with COVID and and everything, obviously with, um, you know, the war with Russia and Ukraine, I don't think guys are going to be necessarily thrilled about going overseas to play. So why not come back to -hmm. Indiana next season and have a chance to, to really capitalize on that, so I I definitely think it had to play some factor, and and like I said, with I think with race maybe even a bigger factor than Trace because I think Trace could probably make some significant money playing professionally wherever he decided to go next season, more so uh, than than there would be a market for race. So that, that's kind of how I see it. I'm I'm curious, kind of what you guys think about it as well as if anybody else wants to to chime in.
0: Yeah, and you guys have nil thoughts. I I
3: just think it it's it has to help um, uh, quite a bit, to be honest, Alex. Um, because of, of of the very things that you said, it's now another option, uh, and this is something that when nil first came out, I, I'm not sure a lot of people leaned into, but I think it's you're going to see players across college basketball stay longer now with the nil opportunities and if they didn't have the nil and i'm not sure that was really discussed as a as a positive but that can only mean it's meaning something good for indiana basketball right now with race coming back if it had even a 10 percent uh impact on, on on race coming back and you think you're going to see the quality of of college basketball improve with with these players staying staying in uh so uh, yeah i i think that's that, that's got to be part of, of, of the reason it, you know, if you told me I could stay in college and make some money while I'm staying in college, doing something that I loved, uh, I, I'm going to uh, take that as opposed to some other options.
4: See, and I'm, I kind of take the, the opposite. No, I think, I think they should be play, paid. I love the fact that NIL is here. I think it's long overdue. So I'm a fan of it. And I think that race is a bad case to discuss because everything Alex mentioned is right and I also think that the COVID and the, the wars in the, in Europe are, are real issues to, to talk about. That said, I, I, I think it's a little bit, I don't totally agree with the idea of like, Oh yeah, if you're going to get paid in college. Actually, that's why you're going to stay. Um, You know, if, if you're thinking about playing professionally in this sport and somebody like race is going to play professional basketball at some level for a long period of time somewhere, you know, a, you know, in Europe, you can make, you know, five to $600,000 a year playing basketball. Um, and that's your salary. And then on top of that, you get, you know, you have a team that's built to give you endorsements. Like, I, mean, I know Europe is not the Pacers, but he played for the Pacers. Like, Tyrese Halberton gets here immediately. He gets the marketing folks. Like, he gets the deals that Sabonis had. Like, they're working with you to get marketing deals. Not to mention, you know, if you're doing NIL, you're doing it on your own. But also, not to mention that, you know, you're just, you're getting professional coaches. I know I know. Woodson was a professional coach like, you know, 18 months ago, but he can only theoretically work with race and trace 20 hours a week. Um, you know, they have to go to class. They have to, you know, they're supposed to be going to class. They're supposed to be, you know, doing things at a university and they're limited with how much basketball they can do. So I, I don't think it's all about money. It's, it can't just be a, I can make 12 extra dollars doing NIL. So I'm doing that. You know, I do think there, there is going to be a calculus where it's like, look, I want to be a professional basketball player and I can't maximize my skill and talent by only being coached 20 hours a week here at Indiana. Um, again, I, I'm, I don't, I think race is not a good case. I'm happy he's back, but I personally think that NIL, it, you know, some of the deals you see where it's like, Oh, they're getting a million dollars here or there. It's like, those aren't all the real deals. Like not everyone's going to get that. I think for a lot of players, the, the, the extra practice, the having a professional coaching staff, a professional medical staff that's focused on you doing nothing but basketball 24-7, I think that's going to factor in. And so I, I don't see it being as simple as like, oh, yeah, NIL is going to keep people because you're, you're just be able to make money here in college.
0: By the way, great uh, quote in the chat from I'm Brad. Did Ryan get traded for three guys? <laughs> yes. We traded Ryan for three new hosts and a bad take to be named later so we'll let you know and, and
4: a home field and a home field song <laughs> yeah, yeah
0: and a, and a new home field song that's right ryan fetched a yeah. lot uh in, <laughs> in, <laughs> in the trade we we won that trade we um, definitely won that trade you know he, here's the other thing that I was and by the way what is with all the cincinnati reds talk in the chat you marlo apparently apparently just proving the owner true that you'll continue talking about the reds and can't quit them no matter what um <laughs> uh, Here's the thing, the other thing that I think about NIL, Tony, and feel free to chime in on this, which is, you know, there's been a lot of talk about the transfer portal, and it's just, there's so many names going in, and it's just, you know, it's kind of insane. And I think NIL can be a bit of a pushback in that, you know, for a guy like Race, who would have had options, and, and I, you know, look, Al Durham did this last year. He played at Indiana for four years, you know, played some really, you know, some good basketball, wasn't able to really succeed. He was able to go to Providence, get a different taste of college basketball, went to the tournament and had a really fun season. You know, even though his stats weren't even as good as they were at Indiana, he meant a lot to a winning team, you know? And so I think, you know, and and look, Al was going to become a fan favorite no matter what, because he's just, you know, that kind of player. Um, you know, and so I don't think anybody necessarily would have faulted race if that's the choice that he made, which is the choice that Rob Finnessy, made, you know, made essentially. And I think we're all happy you know, for Rob. But you know, no matter where Rob goes to Cincinnati or Butler, is he going to be able to earn an NIL, what he could at Indiana, where despite his struggles, he's absolutely beloved you know, and has moments that you can grasp onto and that you can remember. And so I think that's one thing that NIL can do is you know, be a counter argument, especially to guys who have been around for a little while. Hey, you know, maybe there's been some struggles and this, that, and the other, but look at what you've built here. And look at what you mean to these people. And now this isn't just an intangible thing. This could be the difference between you making $200,000 because you've got these deals lined up from Hoosiers for Good or going here to this other school where they don't really know you and they're making you these vague promises. Right or, or you know these vague notions of what you could get, and again, you can't do the pay for play, I get that, but there are going to be ways for these guys to understand from a ballpark standpoint what they can make if they stay and that's one of the reasons I like Nil because for a guy like race and there are going to be other guys like race there it may not be you know completely analogous situations, but there're going to be other guys like him, you know, where it's like, hey, it's just it 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 makes. You know, maybe from a basketball standpoint, you could argue it, does, it it would make sense for you to go someplace else and play in a different system and do different things. But now there's going to be a big financial incentive on the other side that says, you know what, if you do decide to stick this out with this equity that you've built, because a lot of times college guys aren't thinking the value that you can get 20 years down the road by sticking in a place, you know, your your entire time. But this is that immediate thing where it's like, oh, OK, this is a big financial incentive for me to stay here. And I think that can be a little pushback for certain guys from the temptation of the transfer portal. And I think that's a good thing.
2: Do you think that uh, on the flip side, like uh, somebody like Davis leaving Detroit has NIL, like NIL is one of the reasons where like, if he goes to a Kentucky, he can go get some deals, um, you know, at a, at a UK, or even let's say he goes to Indiana, like from a mid-major to a high-major perspective, do you think that factors into a guy maybe wanting to look elsewhere, like a Davis or some of these guys that are high producers, on these smaller level schools that are now looking to make that jump. Is that more, I mean, I'm sure there's, there's obviously basketball related reasons they're looking to transfer, but do you think that's why they might jump to a high major so that they have more upper NIL opportunities at a, a bigger brand?
0: I mean, I'd love to hear you guys chime in on this. I think it's possible. I think we need to see how NIL plays out for players like that. Like, I suppose if you're going to go to a school like a Kentucky or a Kansas or an Indiana or a place where you would expect to have pretty deep pockets for this kind of thing, then, yeah, you can probably find deals for guys like that. But again, now, you know, if Antoine Davis were to come to Indiana, he has some equity at Indiana because of who his dad is and people remember him. But if he goes to Kentucky, I mean, they don't know him. They don't have a relationship with him. So it's it's not it's not quite the same. And I can't imagine that it would be on the same level. But I don't know. You know, I mean we're gonna have to see that pan out. I just saw, you know, Alex a quote from Nick Saban where he basically said the way that NIL is set up right now is just so that you can it makes it a system where you can pay players and buy players. And until there are some guardrails, there's some truth to that. Um, you know, but I think right now, just in terms of you know, how you see it being set up at Indiana with something like Hoosiers for Good and, you know, with some of the stuff the Hysterics have done with their collective, you know, with Hoosiers for Good, all those, you know, a lot of those people there, you know, Taiwan Mullen, Grace Berger, McKenzie Holmes, Race Thompson, Trace Jackson Davis. You know, these are people who've been around for a while and built up some equity. Now, I know the football player, Sean Shivers, that's, it's a different story. So maybe that, to your point, Tony, is an example of that, where you it can, you know, kind of serve both masters in a sense. Um, but I think, you can, to me, you can see it more clearly and count on it more for a guy like race where it's like, this guy is part of this community now, you know? And so I think you're going to, he's going to have more opportunity, more reliable opportunities. What do you guys think?
4: Scott, go ahead. Yeah, no, I mean, I think (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I i i appreciate you saying the you know there, there's no pay for play but it's pay for play i mean like you know first off like the ncaa is not listening to this they don't do anything i mean kansas just won the national title they still have five major violations in fbi investigation so we can just do whatever we want i mean obviously it's just it is complete free for all at this point there's no there's no ramifications um and it I'm just reacting to like the, the stuff with Saban says. Like my eyes hurt when I roll that much. Where it's like, oh, now we're paying players. Like, dude, you make eight million a year. Like all you people, everyone's getting paid. Like, I don't think he thing. said it
0: necessarily in a I negative. Know, I, I know. mean, he's going to take advantage of it because he's smart. Well, and, and that's you know?
4: and that is where, from an Indiana perspective, I think that we we need to be aggressive on this. And, and I think the idea, I'm not not saying this is not directed at you, Jared, but like the idea of like, Hey, you know, it's not pay for play. And like, you know, we can't, who cares? Like everyone's doing the thing and there's going to be people getting very aggressive on this. And I'm not, I don't want to tow, like tow that safety line, but it's like, look, we're, we're playing a big boys game now. Like the NCAA has advocated the throne. Like they are gone. There's nobody watching the kids anymore. Um, And if if we're not going to do it, Kentucky's going to do it. Kansas is going to do it. North Carolina is going to do it. Duke's going to do it. Like everyone's going to do it to Tony's point, like mid majors guys are going to go to Kentucky and you're right. Like some people will have equity where it's like race Thompson has that built up. So some people in the community will know, but you're going to get collectives around some of these big schools where it's like, I don't care if I know him or not. It's like, is he good? Can he score 15 points a game? Great. Give him $200,000. Like, I don't care if he's done anything here or not. There's any connections. Um, So my fear, I just think that's is, going to be
0: rare. There's only going to be a small pool of players at a small number of schools that can get that much money as opposed to a guy so. who's, well.
4: I, I don't think, I don't think so. And my, my fear. my last thing I'll say is my fear with Indiana is we've always kind of done the, we've, we've taken these things kind of from the approach of like, Ooh, like we can't bend the rules that like we've got to do it the right way. We've got to be, you know, the, the right program. And I'm not saying I want to do it the wrong way, but I, I like to win and i'd like to win and we there's a lot of money going in and out of the varsity club um and so all i'm saying is that other schools are going to be very aggressive with this and i just hope that indiana is prepared to to play at the level that other schools are going to be playing at
5: i was trying to think it's this probably an opportunity by the... compliance scott and now it's going to be flagged no compliance.
4: By compliance there is no compliance <laughs> we're a podcast
5: right i mean <laughs> if you will you'll 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 understand this when you listen to the interview that I did with Tyler. You know, he he used to work in IU's compliance department. Mm. So he came over from IU's compliance to Hoosiers for Good. And he t I asked him to kind of go back in time and talk to me a little bit about what it was like in compliance dealing with the NCAA and NIL stuff. And he basically said they would ask questions of the NCAA on what they could and couldn't do, and like the NCAA would not answer them. So it, it's basically <laughs> like there is no oversight on any of this, and I agree with Scott. Um, like the schools that have the the boosters that are willing to put up the most money, it's not like the like these deals. It's not like somebody's going to be like looking over them with a magnifying glass and saying, "Did this person get the correct ROI for this deal?" I mean, Ty Ty Washington got a Porsche for going to Kentucky. I mean, do you think the Porsche dealer like got? some type of huge lift in sales or a bunch of new leases for Porsches because Ty Ty Washington got a, I mean, it's, it's like, um, there. I think one of the guys that just came back to Louisville, Sidney Curry, I saw something on social media. He had like a new Jeep or something. So it's like, I mean, call it whatever you want to call it, but I agree with Sky. I mean, it, it like, I, that's one reason I think the Hoosiers for good thing is actually like, Something to embrace, like if you want to think mm-hmm. about the IU way of doing things the right way, like it's actually aligning with charities, and these guys are going to make appearances and post things on social media, like they're actually going to do some good for these organizations rather than just like posting a picture on Instagram that, hey, this this dealer gave me a brand new SUV, come come check it out. Do you really think the dealer is getting a huge boost from that? I mean, I, I just to me the whole thing is it is what it is. I will say that I hope that not just Indiana, but some of these Big Ten schools and basketball in particular kind of use this as an opportunity to like up their game in terms of getting players because it's depressing. Like looking at the McDonald's All-American rosters and all these guys are going to Alabama and Auburn like those schools don't like they care about basketball like for those couple months when their team's good. But then once the tournament's over they're like looking ahead to spring football here we are we're it's April fourteenth and we're talking about race Thompson coming back to i u basketball do you think they' that's happening at those places no so the big Ten in general I think this is an opportunity because you know you talk to people around the country and it's it's you know the Big Ten is probably the cleanest league in terms of basketball recruiting from the major conferences so I think this actually gives them a chance to kind of get more on a level playing field but The reality is it's going to be more of the same. I mean, there's going to be schools that do NIL one way and there's going to be schools that do it the other way. And it's still going to it's still going to lead to some some outcomes that are favorable for whoever has the deepest pockets.
4: And I just have one more thing to say. Sorry to monopolize this, but just because because Alex is talking about the Big Ten. This is also, you know, you look at what happened with Oklahoma and Texas, where, again, two teams just said, hey, we're in a deal, you know, pound sand, we're going to the SEC, peace out. And the Big Ten's reaction, instead of going and grabbing other teams, and I don't want to take this too far off the rails, but, go, you know, the Big Ten's reaction is kind of like, hey, we're going to do a uh, kind of a gentleman's handshake deal. We're going to play two more games in the Pac-12. It's like, that's not what's happening out here. Like, other teams are just poaching, like, the SEC is getting bigger. They're going to have more revenues in the big 10 in a year or two big 10. What are you doing? And like, this is what makes me concerned is like, this is where the the, the seas are shifting. There's going to be new concrete settled. That's going to be the foundation for new programs moving forward, new conferences. And I just want to make sure that we are all in agreement as the big 10, That like this is an aggressive world out here. And like, people are playing, don't bring a knife to a gunfight, so to speak. And that's, you know, as you're talking about the big 10 kind of being that they're doing it the right way. And Hey, we're going to play more games, the SEC. It's like, that's great. What happens if tomorrow the SEC is like, hey, guess what? We got UCLA, Arizona, Ohio State, and Michigan are joining the SEC. What you got now? It's like that's – I'm just – I will end on that. But, like, this is – I feel like we are in a five-year shift where things are really changing and NIL is getting figured out. And my biggest concern is just the Big Ten, Indiana, always have this kind of cautious, like, let's see how it plays out. We don't want to step on any toes. Like, there's no toes to step on. Like, we're – like, go at it full throttle. Sorry, that's, I'll stop.
0: No, no. You guys bring up good points. Let me, let me, let me moderate the point that I was going to make, ju- that I was making just a bit, because I think you informed it a little bit. Indiana should be, we know the resources of this program. We know how much people care. So the Kentuckys, the Kansases, the North Carolinas, all of these, Indiana should be able to play in that arena, right? Maybe we're not, we don't have the most money, but we should be able to play in that arena. And so a guy like Race Thompson shouldn't be able to get more from one of these other schools than he can get from Indiana because of the equity that he has here and because, you know, you would think that that would help more people step up to keep him. So I guess that's the thing, is I think Indiana should be able to play in that stratosphere if, you know, if we care as much about winning as, as we say we do, and now, you know, schools and fan bases are going to have to put their money where their mouth is. I mean, it just is the new reality of, of college basketball.
3: Well, the, so, money really the money was always there.
0: The money was always there,
3: and oh, and it always right. got filtered out. Now it's just above the table, yes. um, yep. and, and there's opportunities now for new players to join in if they choose. Because if they chose to to not do the bag of cash, now they can do it supposedly, you know, legally. But it's always been the there. Uh, yeah, it's always been there, and and so it's just about taking advantage of of what you can do right now. And I, and I agree, uh, Indiana needs to step up and play with the big boys. The rest of the people in the big 10, they, they can play a little less so we can get back to the top of the conference. But, um, <laughs> we, we, we do still have, and I know it's always been debated that blue blood status. Um, I know it's been a long, long time, but it's still there that it can really bring in players and, Alex's uh, point made me think, too, is Indiana basketball needs athletes. Uh, it's just a new game. Uh, the college game is a new game. It's a guard game. Scott brought it up with the clogging of the lane and the two posts. And, and, and Tony said he wants to. It is a new game. It is a fast-paced, uh, shoot-the-three, get-to-the-rim, multiple-drivers type of game. And those not only are those guys maybe going where the money is, they're going to the places where they can play that type of basketball. That's and that's what has me excited about where coach Woodson wa- might want to bring us at some point and where the other schools, the whole conference really needs to take an adjustment. Um, so I do think there are people playing the NIL game in the sec. They've played it for years um, below the table, but I also think it has something to do with the at brand of basketball, but you need to get athletes and you might need to have good NIL to get athletes. Um, you know, you know, Wisconsin's not going anywhere, uh, in the national scheme of things anymore. You gotta, gotta have athletes. And and that's one area where I think Indiana needs to, needs to move. And it it might take some money to do it. And I can't believe this old man is talking like that, but (laughs) it's the way it is. So let's go do it and do it well.
0: Uh, Alex, I know that you have to bounce. Let me ask you this question to get you out of here. You and Dylan from UM hoops do your top 25 players in the big 10 every year. Uh, and I know it's way too early to do this because we don't even know who's going to be in the Big Ten, but give me like your gut feeling way too early projection, Race Thompson. Is he going to be on that list? Where would you anticipate him falling based on how he is and where a player like him typically falls? Because he has not ever been on that list, if I recall correctly, right? No, he's never
5: been on it. Christian Lander, however, has. just uh... Well, yeah. There was also a year where Cater Bates-Diop won Big Ten Player of the Year, and he wasn't on the list in the preseason. So, you know. It's, it's, a, it's,
0: a, it's a thankless job. It really is.
5: I mean, at least Lander was a five-star recruit. I mean, we gave him the bump for that. So, I think he was like 23 or 24. Those last – I will say like after like 9 or 10, it gets really difficult to figure it out. But I would say like – man, that's hard to think. I, I think he would be on there – Um I'm thinking like 17 to 25 range somewhere in there, depending mm-hmm. on what the other rosters look like. That That's one reason I, I do like the, some people call me crazy, but you know, the other day I basically spent like four or five hours going through all the rosters to make that list that I've been updating on inside the hall. And I've like continuously updated it. like anytime a kid commits or somebody goes in the transfer portal or, somebody commits from the transfer portal, just so I can keep like inventory on the rosters right now for the big 10. And right now I'll say like, I'm not all that impressed with what's out there in terms of other teams. Um, I mean, Indiana obviously has work to do too. I mean, if trace comes back I and mean, he's definitely, I and mean, he's top five in the preseason last year, he, he would be top five again, but I mean, Xavier Johnson you know. would probably be in there too, right? Yeah, I think Xavier Xavier Johnson would be in the top 25 too. It's just there's just so many question marks. I mean, Hunter Dickinson, we don't know what he's going to do. We don't know what Zach Eadie's going to do. We don't know uh, what Kofi Coburn's going to do. I mean, there's a lot of these guys that are kind of in certain – in the same spot as as like Trace where they could maybe get get a combine invite or be a late second-round pick or they could come back and potentially um, like Kofi. I think would have tremendous value from an NIL perspective, potentially at, at Illinois, if he were to come back um, in the same kind of light that, that Trace would at Indiana because he's obviously been there for a long time. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think race would would definitely be on the list somewhere, but I, I would definitely think it would be in the bottom half of that somewhere. But we'll see. I mean, if if some of these rosters don't get uh, beefed up a little bit and some more talent come to the league, I think it could be a – I'm just not, I mean, how many lottery picks were in the big 10 this year? I mean, Keegan Murray, Ivy Davis, for sure. Maybe Branham or maybe Branham and, and Liddell late first round picks. I don't know who else is in the mix, but that's a lot to lose in terms of high level talent. And I just don't, there's no McDonald's all Americans coming in. Um, the guys, and where that did that you have Murray and Davis? Be- Where'd you have Murray? Because those guys, I mean,
0: wasn't Davis down in the 20s and Murray was maybe like,
5: yeah, I I actually advocated for Davis to actually be on the list. We had him like 25th. Um, He had a really good summer last year with USA basketball, but yeah, he was on there. Murray was on there. Obviously, Ivy was on there. Um, So that's kind of the question we had on there.
0: Yeah. You know, does a Max Christie develop? Does a Tamar Bates, you know, do those guys start to play up to their high school pedigree a little bit more? You sometimes right. see, you know, those guys make those jumps. So we'll have to see. I mean,
5: do, but but you, do you agree with what I'm, like I just don't see like the talent overall being all that great next season. I think that's a, a good thing for Indiana to potentially make a jump if they're if Trace does come back and and X and maybe they can mm-hmm. add a couple portal guys. I mean, they they should be a top at least top half projected for sure, top five six going into the season. I don't know. What all, yeah. all the other, I think Michigan's potentially, I, I don't know what's going to happen with their roster, but they have it like in terms of like the, the most high level talent. Um, But we'll see what happens with, with uh, Diabate and Caleb Houston and, and Dickinson. I, I can't see all those guys coming back. So, yeah, it's there's a lot of there's a lot of questions. I, I don't think we're going to have like a firm grip on like what the rosters look like either till like July. So, a lot to play out yeah well Alex thanks
0: for joining us man we always appreciate yep. the insight uh, check out podcast on the brink uh, that interview with Tyler from Hoosiers for good it'll, uh, it'll be a good one plan on listening to good that good to see all
4: you guys appreciate you,
0: you too, having man. me on
1: absolutely, absolutely. Right, care, thanks guys. for coming there are some things that
4: are too good to keep a secret like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge or how it seems like you always get those hard to snag tables Indeed.com/slash/match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
0: Uh, all right, gentlemen. Um, we can start to wrap things up here. Um, Tony, let me hit you with this question. You know, I don't want to get too much into some of the names that are circulating around. Obviously, Indiana, you know, still involved with some uh, potential freshmen for the new class, and like uh, Malik Renault that played with Jalen hood Shafino at Montverde Academy um you know Dexter Dennis from Wichita State is taking a visit next week there was another guy from Butler that they were talking about that has decided to you know to stay I think they're still planning to get a visit or
2: at least talking to another guy from Butler because you don't want to say his last name
0: no no I don't I don't remember his I don't remember his name Seamus precocious. yes yes no I didn't mean to slight the young man I just don't know his name Um, and then, uh, you know, McNeil, who's a, you know, kind of a sharpshooter guy, apparently they're still talking to him. So there's a few names kind of out there, you know, we know X is back. We know race is back. We know trace is probably a 50, 50 proposition. I don't, I don't know enough about Geronimo really to know how to put a percentage, you know, on it. Um, but as you kind of look at this now, what is the thing you would like to see, you know, Indiana get out of the portal? You know, like McNeil is a guy that isn't going to help you a ton on defense, but he's a really good shooter. Actually, statistically, looks a lot like Parker Stewart. Um, you know, Dexter Dennis is a guy who has had trouble finishing, you know, not a very efficient offensive player, but a really good athlete, you know, conference defensive player of the year is certainly going to help you double down on what you were good at this year. Like, what do you think Indiana needs that they can
2: realistically get right now? Um, yeah, so, uh... I'll go ahead and plug myself. I just posted in the IU film room the uh, the Dexter Dennis film breakdown. I, I oh, watched did you post it? M- I did. Nice. I, w- I watched way too much Dexter Dennis for him not to be an Indiana Hoosier at this point. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, but no, I, I actually, so, you know, I looked at his, his shots around the rim. I watched every single one from uh, the 2021-22 season because a lot of people were talking about how he was inefficient at the rim. It was interesting. I think he took 30 shots at the rim last season. Ten of them were on offensive rebounds, and I think he missed eight of the putbacks or something like that. But it was an interesting find because it wasn't like he was driving to the hoop and then all of a sudden, um, you know, he just couldn't finish for whatever reason or finish through contact or whatever may be the case. Like some of those were like he he would get like a, a super high flying offensive rebound because he's very, very athletic. And then he would try to put up some shot like twisting and turning and would miss it at the rim. So I do think there was some context needed to his game that I, I tried to provide in my, in my film room, uh, someone with a slant. Cause I, I'm not going to lie. I do like the kid and I, I like the way he plays. Um, a- another thing that I showcased in that film room is, is most of the shots he missed at the rim off of the dribble. He he drew two or three guys. Um, and I actually took screen grabs and, and showcased that where, it, it, to me, it came down more to decision making, and shot selection, which is which is certainly part of the game. Um, but but I think an easier part that IU could show on film and, and get him to do better, like he was drawing a lot of defenders and then could dish, and that is what I think IU really lacked in terms of playmaking ability and a guy that can move the defense, shift the defense, and then create opportunities for other guys. Like I think somebody like a Miller Cop would would benefit so greatly from another guy a guy like Dexter Dennis on the offensive end that can create a shot for somebody else and then you know you look at the assist rate for Dexter Dennis you're like well he doesn't he's not gonna pass the ball because his assist rate is is poor um so then I looked at that um I think I saw I don't remember the exact number but um you know on his kickouts I think like his team shot like 14% on his kickouts last season. Um, So he, and Wichita's had bad
0: offenses for several years now.
2: Yes. um, Very bad. And, and not, not a lot of flow. Like some IU fans, if we watched that offense, we, we would not be happy (laughs) uh, with, with the standing and watching. Um, But with that said, uh, then I even looked at his three point shooting. Um, And, and, you know, he was a 40% three point shooter his freshman year. Last season, he was just a tick under 30%. And what was really unique about his, his three-point shooting was basically his freshman year, he, he made a bunch of shots that were tough. Uh, I think he was like 48% on guarded three-point shooters. Synergy defines jump shots as guarded versus unguarded. Last season, he was six for 42 on those exact same jump shots. Um, so just a, a vastly different shot maker in terms of hard shots which again leads me back to shot selection, which is why I think that that I think that can be taught in your system, like easier than like trying to tweak mechanics or change a guy's shot. Like his mechanics are beautiful. Like he he's got a money jumper, um, and, and I actually showed a three that he made against IU his freshman year and a three he made last season. Mechanics are the exact same. So when he was a forty percent three point shooter, thirty percent three point shooter, mechanics are the same. We all know a lot of it's mentality and confidence. Um, I think Woody is, is trying to instill that confidence in his guys to be ready to knock down a shot. Um, but then, you know, I, I'm, I've kind of buried the lead because he was the AAC defensive player of the year. Um, you know, his not this past season, but the season before, he was the primary defender on Cade Cunningham against Oklahoma State, held him to 10 points on 4 of 11 shooting. It was his second worst offensive performance of the season for Cade Cunningham. Like the dude can guard um, and guard well. And, and, you know, that's that's exactly like when Woody came out and talked about the guys he wants in his program. Like, to me, it's it's a Dexter Dennis. Now, hopefully, obviously, Woody's going to want some better offensive statistics and, and shots. But like in terms of makeup and body and a guy that can guard the one through the four in uh, Dennis and you can switch like that's that's what he wants. That's what he got used to in the NBA. And that's the type of guy that you want. So that's why I think they're so keen on Dexter Dennis. And I know that there's a lot of um, deferring opinions. And I'm not saying mine is the gospel by any means. Um, But, you know, I did see today that Kansas has now reached out to him. I think that's significant um, because he's just – he's a great athlete and he's going to be able to guard. And and to me, I think that um, obviously that's why teams are, are looking at him because of that athleticism and defense. But I do think you could see an offensive uptick with him, um, just based on his playmaking ability and having other guys around him that he didn't have a Wichita state that can also, you know, take some defensive way.
3: I mean, Tony, that's the that, thing was, if... that was, that was going to be my main question is with some of that shot selection, uh, he has to take some of those shots on a Wichita State team where he might not have to take those volume of shots and the shots that he'll get will be better because if you do have a Trace Jackson Davis, a Race Thompson, a, a X making things go, then all of a sudden, you know, who are you going to guard and how are you going to guard and if it's forms, uh, you know, that way. Um, that that's that was one of the questions I was going to ask is sometimes you look at stats and, and someone was six for 42, in guarded shots, well, sometimes your better players or your better options have to take tough shots and the shot clock situations come into that as well. Um, but it, the interesting thing is you got a defensive guy, but he his driving ability, I think Indiana needs multiple drivers that can also shoot the basketball. That's the one missing piece. Uh, our our uh, Scott brought it up earlier. Our, our guys went to the corner and it spaced the floor and teams took away the three, but when they caught the ball, we had to kind of reset. We really couldn't beat people off the dribble. So you need those athletes on those wings that can not only shoot and knock down the three, but then can be that second side, third side driver to really put pressure on the defense. Then a big guy helps you, oop, and then all of a sudden you got all of this offense, offense going. It sounds like uh, this young man might have that capability as well as guarding, which is obviously a Woodson a staple.
2: Yeah, and, and to me, what's... What's interesting is, you know, to me, the, the argument that IU needs shooters is a little shallow um, because Parker Stewart was a 40% shooter last year uh, from the outside, but he couldn't create a shot for himself. And IU didn't really have other guys that could create shots for him. And that's why I think it's, it's, it's not just the shooting piece. Like, even if Matt Roth was on IU's team last year, like, he's a, he's a spot up shooter. Like, he's not a guy that's going to create shots for himself there weren't other guys to help that would have been able to help him. That's, you know, so that was the shooting aspect. I completely agree. I use got to be better from the arc, but to me it's not just as simple as getting five guys that can shoot spot up shots. And all of a sudden you're a good shooting team. You know, like you say, coach, you know, you got to have guys that can move the defense drive and then make good decisions once they drive. And, And, you know, to be quite honest that Dennis hasn't always made great decisions when he drives. And that's why he has probably been a low efficient guy at the rim. A little bit, um, but i to me, and I could be wrong, but it's it's easier to teach that type of thing in a system if you've got a good system, like and you've got other guys to throw to, like if you can lob it up to Trace Jackson Davis when you're at the rim because his guy comes off to you rather than dumping it down to a six foot six center, like that's different. Um, so it, it's it's interesting. Um, you know, I, I I put a caveat in my post, like I'm I'm obviously pumping up Dexter Dennis, but I'm not trying to say he's this complete difference maker, and he's going to take IU from a you know getting throttled in the round of sixty four to a final four team or anything like that. But I do think he's a he would be a positive addition to the twenty twenty two twenty three roster, and that's that's kind of where I'm at with it. Um, and so, yeah, it's 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 like I said, if he doesn't come on IU, I'm going to know everything about that kid. Um, and it, I don't know if you guys remember, there is a cool story about him um, yes. earlier in the year where he was, uh, at, like, three hours after the game, he was picking up trash with the custodians in the stadium. Um, Mm -hmm. And then when the news picked it up, he was kind of pissed off and and was like, I didn't do this for news accolades. Like, I just wanted to help them out. So, like, overall, seems like a great kid. Obviously, that's not what's going to make you go recruit a guy or try to get a guy on your team, but it is a nice value add.
0: Hey, if you're going to bring in a transfer, you know, and a guy who's played a lot of minutes, you want to know he has a certain amount of humility to be able to accept the role that you're going to give him. And I, I, so I do think that that little anecdote is important. You know, I'm really glad you you dove deep on this, um, you know, because whether Dexter Dennis comes or not, it is a good lesson that you can learn a lot from a guy's Ken Palm profile in terms of, okay, like, what does he do, you know, well, what does he do poorly, but everything is context dependent. And that you know, that's why I even said, I'm withholding judgment until Tony does the deep dive, because you can see things by watching a guy game in, game out that you're not going to find just with the Ken Palm profile, you know? And I always, you know, think about the Nick Zeisloft example where, you know, you look at his second year at Illinois state, you know, his offensive rating was 115.5, which is, you know, good, but it's not like earth shattering for a guy who, you know, only used 13% of possessions. He thought he shot 35.9% from three. All right. Like that's fine at a lower level, but you're not thinking that he's going to be a difference maker when he comes in. His first year at IU, he shoots 45% from three. His offensive rating is 139.1 because the context was different, right? He's getting better looks and he's basically being asked to do the stuff he's really good at because there's other guys who can do the other stuff, right? And so that's not to compare those two players. It's just a lesson that, you know, context can change a guy's efficiency because he is able to focus more on the stuff he's really good at and leave, you know, the other stuff to the other guys, And that would be, I think, the hope is that, hey, this Dexter Dennis guy, he really fits what we do defensively. He's going to help us double down on our biggest strength. And we get him into our offense, and he's getting more open looks because of the attention other guys are getting. Uh, And, you know, he's not asked to maybe take some of these, you know, wild and crazy shots that he was. So it's always important for us to remember that as you try to assess, okay, how is this guy going to transfer over? Um, You know, there's a certain part of a – longstanding Ken Palm profile that is going to carry over but things can change based on the the context of the system he's going to be in and the players that are around him so we'll see he's visiting next week you know apparently there's a lot of interest on both sides that's why we're you know giving it so much talk now but I do think you know bringing it back to Race Thompson I think he's an especially interesting fit if Race you know Race is coming back if Trace decides to go now I think Dennis is extremely important because he's a guy, he could play the four with race at the five, if you were to go really small, um, you know, because he can guard down there. And so he would give you a lot of flexibility. So I do like him as an insurance policy there. And obviously, I mean, if you're rolling out a defense with trace race, Dexter Dennis and Xavier Johnson,
2: good luck,
1: <laughs>
0: you and, know, to the opposition, no Long matter who's Dino playing with terms those of guys. Length,
2: yeah, it's, um that's what like gets me excited you know i you might win like 4 to 3 uh in in a game with some of those lineups that it, it might not be pretty um but yeah i i think it's i think it's it's interesting um you know i i love that they're going after wings with athleticism um it, you know that's that's what excites me and i i can't remember it might have been scott or alex or even coach but the the type of guys that indiana is going after um, not not only just in the portal and and guys that they've gotten in their twenty two and twenty three classes, but uh, I think Joel even mentioned guys they've offered in the twenty four and even twenty five classes already. Like these, those are the type of guys that are going to help IU, um, you know, get back to to where we we all think they should be at. Um, in that you know, they're they've got some good momentum right now in the recruiting trail, and that's exciting. Um, but you know, I think. It's just it's just exciting. I, I like the type of guys that they're going after. Guys that can play multiple positions, guard multiple positions, and and that's what gets exciting to me. And um, before we sign off, I do kind of have a question. Is yeah, yeah. you know, we everybody's kind of talked about Jordan Geronimo at the three. Um, it sounds like that's what he wants to do, and IU is willing to kind of let him try that, perhaps. But to me, like I in coach, I'm really interested. Like. I would love to hear your take on this. Like it's to me, he he lacks a lot of abilities that you need to be able to play the three. Uh, he's very athletic, um, up and down, laterally. To me, not so much. Um, it's interesting to me though that that he really wants to play the three, and I get it. That's that's where he would have to be at the pro level, probably just due to his size. Um, but I just I don't see how in one off season he can. Get all of the skill set necessary to maybe even start at a three for a Big Ten program, just based on what I've seen from kind of his raw skill set. So I'm just interested in what you guys think about him at the three. Like it might be the best for him personally, but for IU, I just don't see how it makes a lot of sense.
3: Yeah, I I think the downhill ability um, is is not there. I haven't seen it yet. He's going to have to get uh, a lot better handling the basketball and be able to beat people off the bounce and and create for other people. You know, we're talking about going a smaller, more athletic basketball at every position. It's a, you know, he he has lacked that coming in. That doesn't make him a bad college basketball. You put him in the spot to succeed. That four spot is, is just perfect for him because he can step out and shoot the three. You know, he can maybe beat a four uh, on on a bounce or two, but we really, we haven't seen it. So maybe he has that, that game. Um, And while I think your comment about him being athletic, is he quick enough? Is is he someone who's going to come off screens? you know, come off that, uh, you know, floppy action or X screen action where the the twos and threes are switching underneath, coming off screens, reading screens, flaring screens. Uh, I think he can do that in some systems, but I think your your comment about is it at the Big Ten level where Indiana uh, needs to go, um, you know, I think Cop and Parker Stewart are more fitted for that, and yet we have another level to go from there uh, in that two and three spot, in my opinion. So, um, I, I kind of agree with you. Uh, and again, is a summer enough time to, to get there. Um, you know, but can he play that? I do think it, it, but I don't know at the high level, um, right now. And so, um, yeah, I, I tend to, I tend to agree with you, uh, on that.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, this is just stuff that we've heard probably like fourth, fifth, sixth hand. Right. Um, but, you know, OK, but let's assume that it's true. I mean, it certainly makes sense why Jordan Geronimo would want to play the three. That makes all the sense in the world. The coaching staff telling him that there's no downside right now to the coaching staff being like, absolutely. You show us that you can do X, Y, Z. Of course, you can play the three. It's the offseason. You would want to dangle that carrot. But all that's going to matter once you get to the season and practice to start is can you actually do it? Because, you know, once guys get in there and they start playing, you're not going to fool anybody. And if he's not getting it done, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, he's going to understand that you're going to put your best lineup out there. Now, it could be frustrating, obviously, if that's the expectation that he has going into it. But I guess I just wouldn't put that much stock into it because I agree with you guys like he hasn't we all believe a lot in his potential but he hasn't shown those skills yet if he does I mean his ceiling is really really high we just haven't seen it so from the coaching standpoint I could I definitely see why they would say it because if he goes balls to the walls you know and and really makes big improvements I mean if you can slide him up to the three I mean, the versatility on that roster is going to be unbelievable. It's not something I'm expecting, I guess, is how I would answer it.
4: It it would come down to me to kind of one thing. I think ball handling would would help, and he needs to have a little bit more of that. But I'll throw these out. These are unfair stats because it's kind of like a one in a million. But freshman year, this player went eight for 26 from three. Sophomore year went 10 from 48 from three. And his junior year, Victor Oladipo went 30 from 68 from three. Again, it's not fair because he's like, the, like we use him as the example all of the time. But you look at Geronimo's number. His freshman year went four for 10 from three. His sophomore year, nine for 29 from three. I mean, that's not far off Oladipo's freshman and sophomore year numbers. Oladipo had a lot more history of handling the ball his freshman, sophomore years. And I'm not saying you need to come back as a 44% free throw shooter like Oladipo did. But if you can get to 39%, and you can shoot, you know, you can get to 38, 39% while shooting 73s in a season. Um, Yeah. You can play the three. (laughs) Like, Yes. You can now play the three. So the, the, the trouble is you're asking a jump that one player has made in 20 years. You're also asking it to happen in a era where we seem incapable as a program across all metrics, across coaches, across athletic directors, pre NIL post NIL of getting anybody to shoot a three point shot with consistency. So that makes me concerned, but, um, hell let's break the mold now and get it done. But it, to me, it's like, that's what, if I was Geronimo, it would be working on my ball handling and just shooting 10,000 three point shots a day. Fluidity. Yeah. Cause, he could,
2: like,
0: yeah, it, cause I was saying, I mean, like he could be a, like a three and D type in the right lineups, but now you just have to make sure that you've got, X, you know, paired with another guy who can make plays, Hood Shafino, Trey Galloway, hopefully Tamar becomes that guy, you know, and then you could afford to have Jordan out there as a three playing in more of a three and D type role. Cause he's never going to be a creator. I just don't, I don't think he has those instincts or ball handling skills. If he can develop them. Awesome. That's what Victor showed, you know, from day one is yeah. he, he at least showed that he and, and again, had not some a great of
4: those tie. instincts. It's an, un- it's an unfair cop.
2: Yeah. But we're going to yeah. keep making it. Year in and right. year out, because I that know, is what I we know. do. And if it's not him, it's OG. <laughs> but Tony, it's just wishing. Tony, go thinking, ahead with you know? what
3: you were going to say because I I think it's it's spot on. My concern would be exactly yeah. what you had mentioned.
2: Yeah, the fluidity to his game, you know, yes. at, at at the wing spot, very important. Um, you know, he's he's somewhat rigid in how he's how he operates on the basketball floor, and to me, there just has to be. It, it sounds goofy, but just a smoothness and just like uh, that fluidity to the game that, I mean, he's very raw and he came to the game late. So like, I'm not saying he can't get it, but he hasn't shown that yet. Uh, and to me that just at the three for, you know, what we want to be a high level big 10 program, um, it it would be, he'd have to make some big leaps, uh, in that regard. And, and I hope he does, man. I, I, the kid's got sky high potential, probably the most pro potential on the team perhaps. Um, but at some point, you know, it does have to come together and, it's, it's fun to talk about in April.
0: Yes, it is. Well, let's get some final thoughts because the story of the night is Race Thompson coming back. Uh, and the beauty of Race Thompson coming back is even without knowing for sure what Trace is going to do or for sure what Jordan's going to do or what role he's going to be in, having Race back allows us to feel good that we're going to be able to put some pieces. Like, you know, we have Race back now. We can be an NCAA tournament team. That's how I look at this right now, with the pieces we have right now. If Miller Cop is playing the four and you're going to mix and match some other guys in there, this can now be an NCAA tournament team, as opposed to, my God, if Trace gets good NBA feedback and Race decides to go somewhere, like what are we going to do? I, now we can breathe easier, and now we see what pieces fill in around and how high the ceiling can be. But I think this is a day to exhale a little bit and to celebrate. Exhale because we're going to be able to you know, fill one of those important spots down low, and celebrate because a guy who's given a lot to Indiana basketball for five years is coming back for a victory lap. And I'm sorry, but being a fan of college basketball is just more fun when you're watching guys that you've invested more time in. And we've invested a lot of time in race Thompson. Uh, and I'm just excited to see him have one more go around. So let's get your guys uh, final thoughts uh, this evening on Race Thompson coming back. Coach, we will start with you.
3: Yeah, I I just think it's good news for for Indiana when you got a a young man who plays as hard as he does on both ends of the floor and can do multiple things. And he wants to be in your program again for the sixth year. I think that's that's uh, absolutely good news and more so for the basketball. I think the the example and the leadership of staying with things and working through uh, early injuries in his career and then a, a coaching change. I just think that's kind of what we like to see in Indiana basketball players. He's going to absolutely help us on the court, but I think it helps us uh, in the locker room and I think it helps down the road with comments, uh, like he said, about trusting Coach Woodson uh, as Coach Woodson tries to recruit new people in, either through the transfer portal or through recruiting. I I think that speaks volumes that he made two decisions to come back and play for Coach Woodson's once uh, uh, last year and then again this year. So uh, just absolutely good news. It was uh, good news to get me up off, uh, uh, you know, (laughs) <laughs> the the down low, uh, I'm gonna be asleep in about five seconds here. After afterwards. By the way, um, Coach
0: was only gonna come for 15 minutes, and yeah. now he's he's been here he's been here for 90 minutes. So I'm guessing Amy is somewhere like tapping her watch, and she is. Uh, <laughs> right, she's yeah. texted me a couple times and said, "Do I need to come
3: downstairs?" <laughs> she uh, she's been a trooper in uh, in helping me, you know, get back to normal. So, but yeah, good day good day for Indiana basketball.
0: For sure. Scott.
4: Yeah. I mean, I'll echo what Alex said. I mean, there's just no other way to spin it. It's good. Like, this is really good that you're getting race Thompson back in. And, and th- this is the one thing I would say is Tony was doing a deep dive on Dexter as a transfer. I would, I'll circle this back to race. I promise. But like, I would, I, I hear us already talking about like, Oh, you got to give put 15 minutes here. And he's going to get 12 points a game. I see in the chat. It's like, Oh, like, well, no one that said 12 silly. points I, I, a game.
0: He's not going to get 12 points a game. He's just going to get the minutes.
4: So I'm going to circle us back to race, but I'm already seeing like, you know, tomorrow I'm getting in 13 points again. I've heard, I've heard Huchafino's got to get at least 20 minutes. All all I would say is this, and on the last Crimson cast, I did a deep dive of looking at Xavier Johnson's numbers this year and any freshman who's come in and provided those numbers. There's only four people who've done it. If you also add a NCAA tournament, I kind of added a bunch of caveats, but the the law, I'm not going to do that deep dive here. Go listen to Crimson cast for it. Shameless plug, but all I will say. Same is Same podcast
0: is network. This, it's cool. Plug away. I know.
4: It's it's <laughs> yeah. We're at home field while you're doing it too. Play the music. Right. Um. But no, it's you know the, the the point is I'm not I'm not knocking. It's just it it's it's tough. And we've had examples. You look at like Miller Cop. Like you know Jared, you're talking about. You know it matters. You know the numbers that Miller Cop had here are very similar to what he had on a Ken Palm laces at, at Northwestern. Yet yeah, I bet a lot of people would be like, that wasn't the best experience. Maybe we wanted to have all of that said. Is this? Is that? you know, I'm always nervous about saying, I'm just going to pencil this guy in for 20, you know, 20 minutes or 18 points because I know Xavier Johnson can play point guard at a big 10 level. And I know what he can give me circling back to race Thompson. This is a good thing because I know race Thompson can play exactly at a big 10 level. I know what he can plug in and I'm not knocking any of the freshmen. I'm not knocking any of the transfers, but it's kind of like your mileage may vary. I'm not sure what I'm getting there. And it might be, might be Eric Gordon. It might be Christian Land. Like, I don't know what we're getting um, until they get here and put on IE uniform. I see him play two or three games. Why this is so important is I. We all know what Race Thompson brings. W- what's really cool about it is, like you mentioned, it's a kid who redshirted. I mean, in in today's era, is a kid who redshirted, and he wasn't like a bad recruit. He redshirted. He's been through. Theoretically, three coaching changes, because I'm pretty sure he was, you know, partially recruited by Creed. It was that, that, that long ago, but definitely under Archie, definitely under Woodson. Like coach said, he's been recruited twice to stay two different times. And, you know, as we're talking about the Geronimo leap that maybe he could make, you know, Race Thompson's a guy who took you know three threes his freshman year, 10 threes sophomore year, 15 threes his junior year, took fifty five threes threes this year. That's a huge jump. He only made 15, but he's taking them. And, and some of them looked pretty good. He could have a huge jump. I mean, th- this is where I think we all could agree that like races just has, we are very comfortable with what his floor is. The one thing we haven't talked about in this pod, it's April, we got a lot of time to talk about it, he could have really super high potential too. If he comes back and he's able to shoot 34%, shooting 55 threes a game, that's huge. Cause you know, he's going to do everything else. He's the glue guy. He's going to bust his ass, getting offensive rebounds and defensive rebounds. So all said, it's a great thing because you know exactly what you're getting into Jared's point. This plugs a lot of holes. If no matter what, you know, you have a high level point guard and a high level post player for big 10 play you have two of the pieces you need. A lot of these other pieces can work around that. Um, I I'm, I'm in agreement that this, this is a great day. I'm super happy. And I'm, I'm excited to see what race can add to his game and what he can bring about. He's been a, a, a really fun player. And if the, the trajectory still goes well for IU basketball, he's going to have a unique spot where he kind of shepherded us through this process. Cause he's kind of that one through line through like the end of the Archie era through the beginning of the Woodson era. So um, he, he's on pace to have a very unique, memorable, and m- memorable for a long time IU basketball career. So super happy to see it and looking forward to another year of race. Yeah. Scott,
3: you need to play more pickleball because I think, you know, like good news happens when you're not on your phone. <laughs> so my <laughs> takeaway is get off your phone and good things will happen for Indiana basketball.
4: Dude, good things will happen in your life. Just off the phone, it's it's great. Like, yeah, you so true. Put it down <laughs> for like three days. To come back, it's like I didn't I didn't miss much. Like, we're still here.
0: That is true. No, really good points, uh, Scott Tony. Final thoughts?
2: Yeah, um, you know I think race coming back automatically raised the floor for Indiana basketball for next season, which is a great thing. Um, and then just you know, you guys have always have said all the nice things that you could say about them. So my perspective is. There's not a big Ten coach that saw this news and said, thank God, race Thompson's coming back to Indiana. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important. So, true. Um, so, you know, I'll wrap up with that. Uh, it's a good day for Indiana. Um, and I'm excited for it.
0: Absolutely, man. I mean, it's just, it, like I said, it's going to be fun to watch him play for another season. And just with Xavier Johnson and race Thompson, you have two, as Alex said, two probable top 25 players right there. That's one of the better duos in the big Ten. Trace Jackson Davis decides to run it back, you very well may enter next year with the best trio in the conference. Certainly, you'll have the most proven trio, Scott, to your point. And it, it's a, it's a, it is it's an important one, because in the offseason, we can run rampant with this guy's going to make a jump, and here's what this guy's stats are going to project here, and this freshman can do all of these things. You know, And some of those things turn out true, and some of them don't. But I think we have a pretty good idea what X is going to bring us, and we have a really good idea what race is going to bring us. And just being able to have those two anchors to mix and match pieces with them and around them, huge for this program. And now we'll see who's going to be playing with them. But I think, you know, this is a moment for exhaling, for celebrating, uh, and it's a great night for Indiana basketball. So, race, let's run it back. We'll be right here to run it back with you. Uh, All right, everybody, that's going to do it on this week's episode of The Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live... Join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. Even on nights when we say we're not going to do a show, we always end up here doing one anyway. Uh, Thanks to Bob Thompson for producing the music. Thanks to John Ringer of Riggs Design for designing our logos. And thank you for listening. We will talk to you again next Thursday night, unless there's big news before then. Uh, Until then.
2: Take it from me, Rob Fennessey. Keep your eyes on the rim,
5: your elbows in. Go Hoosiers.
0: For old time's sake. Had to do it. By the way, uh, check the podcast feed for the latest edition of Doing the Work. Kathy and Jeff talking about the very exciting uh, transfer news for the women's team. My goodness, do they have a loaded roster uh, coming for next season. Uh, And they are probably going to be doing, we're exchanging some emails right now with Tyler from Hoosiers for Good. They are probably going to do an interview with Tyler, kind of talking about you know the Hoosiers for Good from a bit of a different angle. We talked about it a lot in terms of men's basketball. Uh, they're going to hit it more from how Hoosiers for Good is going to support, you know, other sports beyond just football and basketball, as they're doing with Grace Berger and McKenzie Holmes. So that should be a good um, episode as well. So pay attention to that. All right. Well, thanks for being here, guys. Absolutely. Nice. To, uh, I'm glad we were I, able I to put this know. together.
4: I'll now know when Jared texts me. It's like, oh, what's happening? Like, what's going on? Like, who's our new assistant coach? What's going on?
0: <laughs> man, we it weren't going to do lying. one. We weren't going to do one. We had all made other plans. And then it's like, well, man, race is coming back. That's like, there's, That's there, I, I don't think there's much news that would have gotten us to do a show tonight. Trace coming, Trace announcing he's coming back. Race announcing he's coming back. That's probably it. Outside of something bad happening. So, you know, look at that timing. Thursday at five o'clock. We love it when news <laughs> breaks Thursday at five o'clock, but that's okay. We
4: can do it. it's I, so, uh, I, I, I really do wonder, do you think, and coach, you can leave. I know you're like going to pass out, but I do pass out when he, I'm when, he good. when, when race went through, like, I, I just don't understand the senior night. Like, I mean, he has all right to do it. It's grab happy. He did. But like when he went through that, I'm like, that's, that's a guy who is leaving like do you think he was mentally going to this is all just projection and honestly who cares He's coming back and, I, and i'm happy but like do you think at senior night he was thinking i'm not coming back and then he got talked into it or do you think he I mean, just thought hey what the hell like i could do this i'm gonna do it which by the way it's like go for it like i mean if i could do if i could play for iu and do two senior nights i would i'd kiss the court 12 times like I, i i don't know like i wonder if he thought he was gone and then came back or if he just thought hey what the hell like i'm gonna tell my parents i love him and like more power to him. I-, I don't know i'm curious you guys thoughts
2: does he Probably. go through it again hell yes. yeah
3: hartman didn't hartman yeah. go through two yeah <laughs> somewhat similar hartman yeah. had went through one and then uh the coaching change and he decided to stay for archie's first year
4: I mean, it's like yeah. a second bachelor party. This one is like, now I don't have to thank anybody. We can just get lit for a second <laughs> senior night. I
0: mean, you have to have at least one foot out the door, right? That's what you yes. Or at least a toe out the door to to do that. You have to think there's a chance.
2: With, with him getting that NIL deal, do you think he's like, I owe it to, to IU now that I got this six-figure deal?
4: Uh, well, Tony, not only
3: that, but he could probably get another one next year, too, right. depending on the contract <laughs> or whatever else. There's those opportunities. And, you know, going back to our discussion on NIL, you got a way I get to play college basketball in assembly hall in the big 10 and make some decent money. Uh, Is that equal to less than if I tried to go overseas or wherever else? I think all of that now is in play, but I do think, you know, I think the guy at North Carolina got a pretty nice uh, paycheck uh, from NIL. I know I loved his statement and that was good, you know, but you know, those things, matter so I think those two things but yeah I think he was ready at least thinking about I'm going to do this because I think I'm gone and then people had to talk him into it or
0: other things influenced him to stay well let's also remember the context of when that happened that was after the Rutgers game Indiana had lost five out of seven and even you know going into that game none of us felt good about where Indiana basketball was in that moment like, what happened over the last two weeks really changed the tone and tenor of this program. And so maybe that changed it for him. Even though he didn't play well, he's like, damn. Look at what Trace did. Look at what X did. Like, I yeah. can see you this get a taste around. of it. Yeah, maybe he looked around at some of the yeah. other options. He's like, do I want to go play for Minnesota where they don't even really have a roster, even though that's my hometown <laughs> team? You know? And it's like, you know... Been there. Can... been there and done that. Played basketball not made a tournament. Right. You know,
3: there, there's some... There's a lot of that.
0: Yeah, and there's upside for him. If Trace doesn't go back, he's your focal point inside, and his stats are going to go up, and he's going to get to play a different kind of game. And if Trace does come back, you're a team that you're going to be in the top 20, in everybody's top 20 if Trace comes back. And you're looking at, we can compete for a Big Ten title and play in the second weekend of the NCAA tournament, and that does not sound ridiculous.
4: Yeah, and a couple people in the chat mob mentioned it. Alex mentioned it. I mean, I do... I really do think like COVID and the war in Ukraine, like I I think that affects a lot of this in that that, too, you know, races, races, career is probably going to be a, you know, European overseas professional career, which again, is like you're getting paid to play basketball. There's nothing wrong with that, but I I could definitely see if I was like 21, 22 or whatever, you have 22, 23. It's like, do I really want to go just kind of overseas when there's COVID concerns and possible war? It's like, I, I think I'll stay here where I can get some NIL money I know I'm going to play, you know, I know, I know I'm going to be a starter. I know I'm going to play. And I also know that like, you know, I- I'm going to be relatively safe.
0: Yeah, that probably does. Right. Probably does enter into it. I would have done anything to have a
3: hundred thousand my senior year and uh, down on, you know, Kirkwood. I what would you have thousand. done with a hundred thousand dollars? <laughs> would you have saved it coach? No. <laughs> Today. <laughs> After yes. this past weekend, I would save every penny of it. Right. But uh no, oh, uh, back then I would have I'd have found a way to have too much fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. All you right, well, you thanks. guys would
0: too. That's
3: true. oh yeah.
4: I would have blown it all. Yes.
0: Yeah. Oh man. Well, thanks for yeah. being here, guys. Uh yeah. we will do uh do more of these as the off season goes along. Hopefully yeah. we keep getting more exciting news.
2: Awesome. Always oh, yeah. always a pleasure. Yep. Peace, yep. everybody. Thanks for being Take here, guys. Care, guys. Check
0: out, if you're in the Thank community, you. check out uh, Tony's uh, scouting report of Dexter Dennis. If you're not in the community, go to assemblycall.com slash community. Uh, and get in i think i accidentally left up the three-day free trial that we were doing as like a one-week promotion during the ncaa tournament so go grab that before before i take Easter it egg. Down. i just remembered Easter that i forgot to take that down so anyway I'll the three-day like free trial is up give, there give
4: people the overnight come on you have yes. the overnight yeah. to get it done go do it go do it
0: um all right we'll see you guys take care right. take care everyone thanks for being I here guess. everybody